morning again. So uh, we're really fortunate to have the kind of musicians we have here. Um, the last church I was at was, was similar in that way. Uh, the sanctuary itself, though, was, was uh, quite a bit different. Uh, it was more of like a Gothic-style uh, European cathedral. Uh, and so, so even if you managed to take all of like, the religious symbols out of it, it would still look very much like a church. Uh, and once a year, we would, in the evening, uh, in the sanctuary, in that space, have something called a night at the opera. Uh, and the people singing were usually professional singers who also sang in our church choir. So on Sunday mornings, uh, they would only ever sing sacred music, and it was amazing. It was really amazing. But a night at the opera was an opportunity for them to sing the songs that they really wanted to sing. And so it was interesting because for some of them, you could see them come alive in a way that you'd never seen them come alive before while they were singing in church, well, at least on, on Sunday morning. It was like they were singing the songs that they were meant to be singing, right? Um, and, uh, and it was amazing and beautiful. And so one piece included three or four singers doing um, something from an Italian opera. And in this religious space, surrounded by stained glass windows, standing right in front of the communion table, in front of the cross, in front of a giant wide open Bible, um, the music felt moving and meaningful. It was almost like a spiritual experience. It, it felt sacred. And, and then my wife leaned over to me and she said, do you know what they're singing about? And I said, I have, I have no idea. And so she whispered, okay, so that woman slept with that woman's husband, but this, his wife never really loved him because he's an alcoholic and a cheater. So she's actually been having an affair with that guy. And the last guy is her father who's threatening to kill both the husband and the lover, right? Really? Like, that's what's happening here? And she said, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the plot for all operas. So <laughs> now, now you know. I mean, she was just kidding, sort of. But, but honestly, it, it didn't really matter because the experience was still moving and beautiful. And, and it's just one of those moments when you realize how music can be meaningful and sacred even if it isn't church-rated. I mean, in reality, if you read the Bible, like the Bible isn't church-rated, so these types of stories and operas probably fit better in church than you might imagine. But this is the magic of music in all of its forms, which is why music is an important part of our faith experience. Growing up, I always wondered, why do we do this? This is sort of weird that we get together and sing like this. But we see this as well today in our, uh, our story in 1 Samuel chapter 16. So uh, chapter 16, starting in verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, King Saul, and an evil spirit from God tormented him. Saul's attendant said to him, see an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let the king command his servants here to search for someone who can play the harp. This is great. Helene, that you were here playing the harp today. I didn't even know. Um, he, he will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. Okay, so, so there you go. We sing music and we make music to ward off evil spirits sent to us by God. Wait, what? How does that make any sense? I thought God was good. Like, why would God do that? Well, God 
wouldn't do that. And this is one of the problems we have with reading ancient stories. This is one of the big problems that we have with translating from one language, language into another, especially a language that is almost dead from thousands of years ago. So in English, the word evil means basically one thing, something that is profoundly immoral or wicked. But in Hebrew, the word ra could mean evil, or it could mean troubling, or destructive, or just unsettling. And the Hebrew word spirit, rather than being like a, a being, can mean life, or wind, or most likely here, a person's emotional state. For example, in Genesis 41, Pharaoh's spirit was troubled. And in Exodus 6, the people's spirit was broken because they were in slavery. So this is actually less like creepy horror movie and more a public service announcement about mental health. Saul had moments of feeling troubled or anxious or unsettled or depressed. And the answer at the time was beautiful music. Fortunately, we have additional mental health tools today, but music can still reach deep into our souls to comfort us to heal us, to calm us, to encourage us, to allow us to be more reflect reflective, many times more than just intellectual knowledge, right? So whether it's Paul Simon feeling like a, a lonely, isolated island or Olivia Rodrigo feeling sad because of another breakup, even sad, slow, angsty music can comfort us because the music feels like a friend who's going through something that maybe we're going through. And so alone in our room or in the car, we think, at least Taylor Swift gets me, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, at least Yo-Yo Ma knows how I feel. Saul, the king, will be comforted by music. So continuing in verse 18, one of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse in Bethlehem who is an excellent musician, He's also courageous, a warrior, well-spoken and good-looking, everything that you would want in a musician. And God is with him. And you might remember from last week that David was the one who was picked to replace Saul as king. So this is interesting. So verse 23, whenever Saul's spirit was troubled, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel relief. He would feel better as his depression would lift, as his mood would change. So, this is interesting. Saul doesn't know that David has been secretly chosen to replace him as king. But Saul does know, he has been told that he will be replaced as king, that his days as king are numbered, but he doesn't know when that's going to happen, he doesn't know how it's going to happen. So even as king, there is so much in his life that is completely out of his control. So much in his life that doesn't have resolution. And imagine, I would imagine at least, that this is a big part of his struggles, of what he is going through emotionally. Everything is changing. Everything is changing. And I think we all know that change can be really scary because we're not sure if it's going to be okay. But in these moments of uncertainty and change, music offers relief. 
So I, I once heard uh, someone else explain it in this way, or we can, we can maybe think about music at least partially in this way. Mark, can you play um, some familiar tune? Okay, did you feel that? Like, it's familiar, but then it's unfinished, right? Like, it's just sort of hanging there as a tune, and it, I don't know about you, but I feel a little uncomfortable. Try, try that again, Mark. Like, how often does life feel like a, like a, a song that's been inter interrupted, right? Like a familiar song that just, you just need to end it, right? Like, we, we are in relationships with unresolved conflicts. We have unresolved plans or things that we feel like we should have done but never had the, the opportunity to do again. Maybe we haven't heard back about a job or maybe we're waiting on a phone call from our doctor. And of course, we have all kinds of unresolved projects at work or at home or at school, boxes to unpack, uh, at least for us, garages to clean out, dishes to do, homework that needs to get turned in, deadlines to meet. Life is changing constantly. Life is unresolved, and that's completely normal, but sometimes that's just way too much for life to be unresolved in all of those ways. So Mark, can you please, for the love of God, like finish the song? <laughs> Doesn't that feel good, like to have like just one moment like that? Uh, perhaps we don't realize that music does this for us until we are listening to something that gets interrupted sort of right in the middle of it. But, but music can comfort us simply by offering us these small moments of resolution, right? Like in a world that is completely unresolved. Sometimes it's good just to know that things end and life can have a rhythm to it and that there can be order no matter how chaotic life feels. There can be resolution. And, and um, this can be specifically helpful when it comes to our mental health. Because for me, at least, the scariest thing about anxiety and depression is that dreaded feeling in those moments when it's like, this is going to last forever. I, I don't think this is ever going to end the way that I'm feeling in this moment. But that's not actually true. It comes and it goes, and even if my mood doesn't change immediately, it's comforting to know that how I feel in any given moment is not forever. And that's what happens with Saul. These moments come and they go, and the music is there to comfort him in the midst of it and to help him when, the, when the, that, that feeling of depression or anxiety is lifted. So even better for us, at least here uh, in this church with the kind of musicians that we have, the songs that we sing usually end in, in a good note, right? Like in tune, uh, which again is this reminder that, that there's hope. Like the... <laughs> usually, usually, always. They always end on a good note, right? 
So, so music has this capacity, right, to meet us in our struggles with, with the realities of life, but it also can point us toward a future with hope. Things can end and things can even end well, which is sometimes hard to come by. Even better than all of that, sermons can also come to an end. Uh, and, and who doesn't love that? So life is good. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we pray that you would meet us in all of life, in the struggles, in the joys, in the celebrations. We pray that you would meet us in the music, in the uncertainty, that you would bring comfort, and that you would continue to move us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.